Hello, and welcome to the Cosmic Cauldron with host Jamie and Charlotte, where we discuss spirituality, paganism, witchcraft, holistic lifestyles, and everything in between. So gather around the cauldron every Wednesday, where we brew up a new topic. Hello, and welcome back to the Cosmic Cauldron, Season 2, Episode 4. Today's episode is an idea we actually had on a previous episode, um, and it was something that Charlotte had actually recently touched on with her writing um, already, and so it was the perfect fit for an episode, especially given how adventurous and eventful uh, 2023 has been so far. Oh my goodness. Um, So I am excited to talk about high energy versus low energy practices and how that fits into our lives. Yeah, like it really came to us organically because, you know, we were covering the dark months and just this period of the year where everything's slowing down. So naturally, you know, you need ideas for, you know, what to do when you don't have as much personal energy versus when you do. And we just wanted to touch on these two types of practices for you. We've actually nonchalantly kind of covered this before in previous episodes, at least low energy practices um, and simple practices, because you and I both really just prefer the simplicity of things to begin with, you know, higher energy or more involved practices have their place. And I'd say we've both definitely explored that before, but I would say the real, (laughs) the real reason we're doing this episode is to cover the low energy practices Uh, We're just going to touch on both. But really, I think we're all just here to figure out how we can be a lazy witch, right? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So I know we're going to talk about kind of the differences between the two and really like who who this may fit or who this episode might kind of speak to. So you want to get us started with that, Charlotte? Yes, absolutely. And you are correct. We are just trying our best to to show you ways that you can incorporate your spirituality into your practice and your life without having to commit a bunch of time or energy. Like they're both beautiful, but particularly at this time of year, you know, just with it slowing down, it's nice to have things that you can lean into to keep you going and keep you growing spiritually without having to commit a ton of effort when, you know, you might not have it. Uh, I did want to start this episode and um, clarify that we're not talking low and high magic. We are talking low and high energy magic. And low and high magic are two different practices. And they kind of fit into to this theme. Whereas high magic would be more ceremonial, low magic would be where you're just using the elements around you. It doesn't have to be as ceremonial as high magic would be. So we wanted to take this episode mainly to focus on the lower end, but also to give you some ideas that you can compare the two. You know, when you are feeling more ready to tackle the high energy practices, you can, but you know, while we're still in the, the slowdown period, you know, we wanted to give you some ideas. So you've already mentioned, you know, like why we may need 
you know, low energy practices to pull from um, or high energy practices. But with this time of year, you know, like we just covered the darker months, we are still in those darker months. And it is a time of, of slowing down, you know, and kind of resting and recuperating, which I'm being forced to do right now because I hurt my back this week. And I'm just like, what is going on universe? Like Mercury went retrograde. I'm supposed to be springing forward, not falling down. (laughs) Well, I mean, technically (laughs) your husband fell down. True. (laughs) And Jamie just, Jamie decided to shear this and catch him and maimed herself in the process. (laughs) You know, you're Uh, old when you hurt your back and you like throw your back out doing something you were perfectly capable of doing 10 years ago. (laughs) Man, I I don't know if I could have done that 10 years ago. Right now I hurt myself in my sleep. (laughs) But all that aside, um, you know, this time of year, is is like we touched on in our last episode, the darker months. It's it's really a time of honoring the the slowing down and the stillness. And so, you know, why why is this necessary? Well, I kind of just already answered that, right? You know, sometimes we're feeling really high energy and sometimes we're just not. And I personally wanted to cover this because I feel like Sometimes there can be a lot of pressure, you know, around having practices to begin with or being a witch or a spiritual person Um, with all the things we see on social media and online. It can it can kind of give you this keeping up with the Joneses kind of thing, you know. And so we want you guys to know that it's perfectly okay to have like very simple easy low energy practices and they are just as meaningful as the high energy practices each of them have their place i guess is what i'm trying to say yes that is exactly what we want to to reinforce for you that it's okay if you know you aren't able to put in a lot of energy into your practice it's it's valid it is just as valid as a high energy practice and it just creates the space for you to form that connection, you know, with yourself, with your spirit guides, with whomever, you know, uh, fulfills you spiritually. It's it's just, it's a way to stay in tune. Yes, absolutely. And I think, I know I'm at least guilty of in the past, just not doing anything. When I look at a more involved ritual and I get overwhelmed by the thought of it, or I'm just... Yeah, I just don't have the energy for it. And then I do nothing, you know, instead of yeah. simplifying it. So, and if you want to look at this even, even deeper, if you have, you know, a uterus and fallopian tubes and <laughs> why am I making this so awkward? <laughs> and fallopian tubes. And fallopian don't tubes. forget those. <laughs> Now, something else that I wanted to bring up um, during this episode, because I think it's directly related, um, if you have a uterus, is our cycle, you know, our moon cycle. There are certain times of our cycle that we're 
really high energy. And then there's other times where we're really low energy. So in addition to just paying attention to your energy any given day because of your circumstances, your environment, the planets, you can also use this um, and, and honor your cycle as well because, you know, that, that period leading up to ovulation is usually really high energy. And then coming off of that and going into your moon, is usually a little bit lower energy. And I've paid a lot of attention in the last year to my cycle and how I feel. And it's absolutely true. Absolutely true. And so if, if that applies to you, you know, you can cut yourself some slack maybe and honor yourself and your cycle a bit more when you're feeling low, don't feel that pressure, you know, to, to do something that, literally biologically doesn't fit for you in that time of the month for you. Yeah, exactly. I use this or I have used this in the past for my fitness routine because you can tell the difference in your energy based on where you're at in your cycle. Like I have completely different energy when I am in the follicular, follic, 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 follicular, follicular. Follicular? Follicular phase. <laughs> Christ. When I'm in the follicular, when I'm in a particular phase of my cycle. So I've really had to figure out what my energy levels are and apply that to my fitness. But it also applies to my practice because it it really does dictate what you do that day and what the what levels of energy you have to get things done. Yeah, I mean, I think you could, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think you could even venture to say that honoring your cycle in this way and observing it in this way is a low energy practice. It is. Yeah, 100%. Because when you think of spirituality, particularly, you know, what we speak of most often, it's a connection with nature and the cycles. So honoring the cycle within yourself is a way to deepen your practice and your understanding. Yeah. And I've, I've, in addition to just, you know, being a more conscious observer of that within myself, uh, the last two months, I would say I've really actually acted on that. So the period um, between my moon and my ovulation, this past cycle for me, I took real advantage of that energy and did some like deep cleaning around the house, like going through some closets and, and doing things that I knew I had the energy for if I could just will myself to do it. <laughs> um, yes. yes. And now I am in that next phase and I can tell that, you know, my energy is lower. So I'm cutting myself some slack, right? I'm not pushing myself as hard. And, um, I will say that at least so far, even though this, you know, experiment has been rather short so far, um, I feel like I generally have more energy, you know, I have less stress and so I have to say, I'm really loving it. I highly suggest it, you know, being a, a conscious observer first and then really fitting your life into, into that cycle. Honestly, you can design your whole life around it. You know, you can plan things around those different parts of your cycle. Yeah, that less stress portion that you just mentioned is one of the highest selling points because, 
you you need to rest. This is what re-energizes you and allows you to do things when you have more energy. Otherwise, you're just going to be battling burnout the entire time. Yes. And again, if this applies to you, I feel like this is just another way that women get suppressed nowadays is because we aren't given the opportunities with that, that honoring that cycle is not a respected thing. It's not really a common thing anymore. In fact, it's, you know, people don't even want to talk about a woman's cycle. Usually, you know, it's like, Oh, that's taboo. And it's like, okay, but literally without this, like we couldn't bear life, you know? So it's, it's necessary. It's needed. And I think when we can take these little small steps to coming back to, um, honoring and respecting that cycle. It, it gets us so much more in touch with ourselves and with nature and, and overall just does so many positive things for us because ignoring it um, is definitely very detrimental. And I, you know, without going too far left field with this, you know, this is why I, this is one of the reasons why I left corporate America, because I can't tell you how many times <laughs> I'm like in bed dying of cramps and I'm just so low energy and I don't want to go into work and stand on my feet for eight hours and smile and be nice to people <laughs> and having to do that and push through that just felt so damaging sometimes to who I was like to my truth. Now, sometimes I'm not saying that, you know, pushing through difficult things and challenges is a, a bad thing, you know, um, cause sometimes that's necessary, right? I'm just speaking to the days where like my body was really just telling me to just rest and I couldn't, I couldn't honor that. You know, my boss is not going to take a, you know, PMS day (laughs) as an excuse, unfortunately, not in this country anyway. So no. And while we do understand that that's not an option for everybody, there are ways that you can keep your cycle and your energy levels in mind when allotting your task for that month. Now, I, I speak from a financial background, uh, so I really, I always had deadlines and there's things that you have to meet. So it's very uh, strategic. It's very planned. I know what I'm going to have to do. And you can find a way to set up your work projects that helps you in, in those low energy periods. Granted, that's not going to work all of the time. It is something you can do to assist you in your professional life as well. Yes. Yes, it is. And observing that and, and thinking about those sort of things, was the initial stages of before I actually quit. Right. And I did try to make it work. And, um, that is work, you know, trying to, if you, you know, if, if you can't leave your job or you love your job and you just have to make it work, you know, you do have to put in that effort, a little bit of effort, you know, to find what works for you, but it's so worth it. Or like me, you may find that as you start to honor yourself more, you realize that, what you're doing and what you've immersed yourself in doesn't really align with you anymore. And that's, you know, that could be a whole episode in and of itself is, you know, when you start to make changes within yourself because you're, you're observing and respecting and honoring your own truth, you find that a lot of the pieces in your life may not fit, you know, in your puzzle anymore. So um, it can go either way. You know, I know 
a lot of women who work in corporate America. In fact, one of my clients right now, she's um, in the insurance. In, she's in the insurance industry, and um, it's very demanding. But she loves her job, and so she's trying to find ways to balance everything. And you know, so you can always reach out for help as well. You know, someone else to to help you craft your routine, I guess, to make sure that you're still putting you first, even though you have to (laughs) fall in somebody else's line, you know? Yeah, exactly. And even with, you know, we're discussing sort of monthly energy levels, there's also daily energy levels. There's periods during the day where I know that I can really knock things out and get things done. And then there's like, mainly like after lunch, I'm useless. I'm useless. As soon as you feed me, I'm just, I'm done for the day. Clocked out. <laughs> yeah, I'd say it's definitely, um, I mean, I, I get, you could even consider that another low energy practice is just to recognize, yeah, what time of day you're at your best. Um, this idea was presented to me, I think, well, uh, being an entrepreneur the last eight years or so, I've read a lot of self-help books and things. And so this idea kind of floats around a lot and, and people word it in different ways, but um, finding kind of your zone of genius during the day. And, you know, for me, it's like, it's usually like eight or nine to like one or 2 p.m. Uh, yeah, afternoon, not so great. And anytime after like 8 p.m. at night, my brain is just not working. <laughs> you might, don't ask me any involved questions or ask me to think logically because it's not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> so I've learned to craft my days around that, knowing that if I don't get up and get going at that eight or nine, that I'm probably not doing anything throughout the day. Because if I move past that, that peak period, <laughs> I've lost it. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, your zones where you're like, okay, I can really get some things knocked out. And while this applies on a practical level, you can also spin that into your spirituality. So say you're a morning person, this might be a good time for a very simple ritual. You could light some incense or you could pull a tarot card, you know, whatever Whatever it is that you like to do in your own practice, you know, you could fit that in before you get going or, or maybe you're a night owl and you have more energy at night. You could fit that in before you wind down. Now, something else that I wanted to mention and Charlotte wants to touch on as well is how important and efficient this can be if you are neurodiverse. So if you're ADHD, autistic, anywhere in between, reflecting on and kind of identifying these high and low energy practices for yourself can really go a long way to boosting, you know, your overall productivity, happiness, joy, and all of that. And, um, I have been officially diagnosed as a child and then again as an adult with ADHD. Um, And Charlotte will talk in a minute about her experience. And this is something that her and I have been discussing a lot in the last couple of weeks because we're really starting to own these, you know, fun little things about ourselves. And, and it honestly feels really good. It feels so good to learn more about myself and to find ways to just live on a daily basis that actually suit me and not what the world says that we have to be. So 
again, this episode is kind of a shout out to all the indies out there. You know, we've got you, we understand, you know, and there's a place for all of us. You know, we don't have to feel like we have to, you know, do everything and be everything all the time. Cause that was something that I was talking about the other day I posted on Facebook. I was like this whole like superwoman thing, you know, that women try to do and be nowadays. I, I mean, I'm guilty of even saying it in the past, you know, like su- super mom or superwoman. And for a while that felt really good, right? It's like, I can do everything, you know, and then it caught up to me. <laughs> and now it's like, oh, I don't want to do all the things and be all the things. And I want to to do what works for me. And oftentimes that doesn't really look like what everyone else is doing. And that's okay. Yeah. I mean, in, in working on this podcast, we've really had the opportunity um, to see how each other works. And it became more interesting when we realized that we both had some level of neurodiversity, except at complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, that's the best part. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So we were operating in two entirely different fashions. And really, we needed to figure out a way to to come together and make it work for us. And that that was another thing that both contributed to this episode and the the way that we structure our flow. So for me, I don't have an official diagnosis. I do have a son with autism. And when he got that diagnosis, I had to start thinking back on everything I'd ever done in my life. And I have some quirks. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, it really it was further brought to my attention because most often when people reach out to me, they say the way that I teach is helpful for them because they're neurodivergent. And the visual cues or the way that I explain things work well for them. And then it was like, Oh, well, you know, there's probably a reason for that. (laughs) Yeah, we've honestly, we really have learned so much about ourselves through the creation of this podcast and working together. And because Charlotte and I have such a deep respect for one another, you know, whenever you're working with someone else, like things are going to come up sometimes, right? And it became very obvious pretty early on that we did things very differently. And it was so eye-opening to me because I have worked with people in the past, maybe not exactly in this fashion, but, you know, at work or school or whatever, it's like I've worked with other people, but never before have I seen myself in the ways that I have and seeing how I work with other people and the contrasts there. And so, you know, we really started to see that, you know, she does things this way and I do things this way. And how can we make that work together? Because, you know, there were times where we were getting frustrated because it's like, you're like, I don't understand why you can't just do this. And I'm like, I don't understand why you can't just do this. And yeah, yeah. yes. <laughs> and so the differences became very apparent. Yeah. The, the way that we have to structure things, even Jamie is coming from an ADHD background, whereas I... I can get hyper-focused for very long periods of time and I can 
it immersed myself in that and it becomes sort of obsessive and we had to strike a balance with the routine however i do find it well i I wouldn't actually call it funny jamie needs list in order to do things and i function in like this organized chaos so (laughs) it, it really became a um a a mission for us to understand how each other works so we could work together and and do it well or or at least do our best yeah to do our best for sure because sometimes that some days that's all we've got and you know since we started recognizing these things about ourselves and making a conscious effort to to work together in that way i mean things have been so much better it's been different and it's been easier um, and so I think we just wanted to, you know, we're, we're realizing now that there's so many people who are like us <laughs> and may benefit from, from us discussing things like this. So we definitely wanted to make sure that it made it into this episode. And I think even in the future, we're going to look at, at some of the topics and things that we talk about through the lens of neurodiversity, um, just to, to give you something to relate to, I guess, give you our perspective <laughs> on, on things, you know, so you're, you don't feel like you're alone. Yeah, exactly. And we both, it, it's very opposite ends of the spectrum that we personally operate on. So we know that, you know, it's not just, you know, Jamie's way or my way. There are so many ways that things can be accomplished. There's so many ways to go about things and personalize it for yourself and make it work. So that that's, we wanted to mention this and it will probably become a segment in future episodes. You know, we want to make sure that we are able to assist a variety of people and let you know that you're not alone, like Jamie said. One of the things that, you know, I've definitely come to to learn about being neurodiverse and being kind of ADHD is, again, in addition to like monthly energy cycles or even daily energy cycles, I have a whole third variable in here. And that's, you know, my ADHD cycles as well. You know, sometimes I'm just like super like, woohoo, let's do everything. And then sometimes I'm just not. So it's like, I have my monthly cycle. I have the daily, you know, sunshine cycle <laughs> because I'm a very sun related person. You know, when the sun is high, that's when I feel my best. And then I have just my random ADHD energy cycle as well. And I have not figured that one out yet. Um, honestly, I think it depends on what I'm eating, what I'm drinking, my sleep, <laughs> a multitude of different factors. And I don't personally medicate. Um, I have nothing against that. Uh, The medications that I've tried in the past just didn't agree with me. So I've just tried to learn ways to make my life work. Thankfully, I work for myself now. So I have a lot more leeway. If I was still working for someone else, I'd probably still be searching for a medication to help me focus. But just a little story time real quick. You know, I, like I said, I've been an entrepreneur for a while. And when I first got into real estate and then I first got into even like my, my mentoring Um, business a few years ago, I was learning a lot about productivity and I got real big on like, (sighs) 
all this like self-help, you know, guru stuff for entrepreneurs and time blocking was something that's like, everyone's like, oh, you've got a time block, you know, you've got to map out your whole freaking day. And girl, I tried that shit and it was not working. Okay. So as much as a lot of indies need structure, that was way too much structure. (laughs) And so it's like, a lot of times like life was calling for all these high energy things. And I had to realize that I am not naturally a high energy person. I think Aquariuses tend not to be anyways. Um, it, I remember one of the first things I read about Aquarius is that we don't really like to exercise. We're kind of low energy. Okay. <laughs> we're going to be a little bit thick. Okay. <laughs> we're going to be a little bit low energy. And I have come to accept that about myself. <laughs> and so this this fits into my lifestyle uh, very, very well for that reason as well, because I just can't have as much structure as I probably actually need. So recognizing, you know, higher energy practices and lower energy practices and, and maybe trying to accomplish the high energy things I have to do in my day first, you know, to get them out of the way is, is something else I've had to learn about myself. For myself, I am highly structured and I have these bursts of like laser focus. I become transfixed on a particular topic. And what I've learned is this is actually a good thing for me because I will go in and I will research the hell out of that topic until I become, I wouldn't say an expert, but very well versed in this topic. (laughs) And it it helps me. It also helps me with my practice when I am more inspired, because I've really always had these whims of, of energy. I'm not high or low energy. I think I operate at pretty much an even keel, but I will get obsessed and it's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, I would say in the beginning of my adult life, you know, like 20s and even early 30s, I I would have thought that maybe I was a more high energy person. If somebody would have asked me if I thought I was one or the other, I probably would have said like, yeah, I'm high energy. And, you know, obviously our bodies change as we get older, especially after we have kids. Um, and so perhaps maybe I was more. Or perhaps maybe I was just living life like I saw everyone else living life. And I feel like it's caught up to me now. You know, Mm -hmm. I spent many, many years just trying to to be like everyone else and and realized over the last few years that that doesn't really fit for me. Um, And so... So I've learned to slow down and that's, you know, kind of what I'm looking at with my work right now, um, which I I call my mentoring business. I don't really know what to call it. I just, I do the work, the inner work. I share about the work, (laughs) you know, and so I'm really focusing that work around this simplicity now to speak to those people that are like myself, where I was a few years ago. Yeah. I think, you know, by mentioning this, we wanted to let you know that it is okay however you process energy. You don't have to be high energy or low energy. But we wanted you to know that no matter how you process things, no matter how you function, there is a way to go about making life work for you. 
you know, and making your spirituality work for you. So in these periods where, you know, you are low energy or, you know, things just seem overwhelming, there's ways to do really simple practices to keep you in tune with yourself. Before we move into some examples of um, high energy versus low energy practices, I I think it's important to mention that um, recognizing this and working around this idea can also help with things like depression and anxiety. Because like I mentioned earlier, sometimes I get so overwhelmed at the idea of something that's more involved that I end up doing nothing. And doing nothing often doesn't serve me because then I'm just a potato on the couch you know, scrolling on my phone instead of doing something that could actually help me that maybe just isn't as involved. So uh, Charlotte, why don't you move us right into some examples? I am so glad you mentioned that because when you're living outside of your natural energy levels, that's when you become off center, that you're no longer in alignment. And that that's not just a buzzword. You need to be in alignment with yourself. You need to respect your own cycles. So first off, I wanted to give a few low energy examples. I'm going to be taking most of these from an article I wrote over on my Pathios column, but I just wanted to give a few ideas for you that don't take a lot of your time and can be done when you're in these periods of low energy. Because like Jamie said, there's times where, you know, if you're not really paying heed to your energy levels, you may just clock out of life. You may just sit there and doom scroll for several hours. I know I have, you know, like, uh, well, shit, this day's gone to waste. Let me just sit here and I will marinate on this couch. So... (laughs) With that said, some low energy ideas that you can incorporate into your practice. One of my favorites, and I know it's one of Jamie's too, is making teas. This, you know, for me, teas are potions in a glass. It is very simple. I look at, you know, the ingredients in my teas if I don't make them myself, because I I can be very low key in the fact that I will head on over to Publix and I will pick up a tea blend for its particular purpose. And all it takes for me to do this is to boil some water and go about my day, you know, with that little potion in a glass doing whatever it's supposed to be doing. You know, if I need a little bit more happiness, I'll go for a dandelion tea. Or if I am catching a cold or need my immunity up, I will go for my echinacea and elderberry teas. It all depends on what I need personally. And this same goes for coffee. It's a very simple ritual, like with coffees you and teas, you can stir the coffee a particular way and set an intention with it. Typically, it is clockwise if you want to attract something, or maybe you need to banish something, and you can stir your coffee or tea counterclockwise. Uh, And along this same lines, another way that you can incorporate spirituality into your practice is to be intentional with what you're cooking there. You know, each ingredient has a correspondence and, you know, while you're crafting your meals to to feed your family, because everybody has to eat, you know, we need sustenance. This is just a really simple way to make the mundane magical. And, you know, you can look up the ingredients that you're using, see what they correspond with and craft an intention with your meal. And another fun one that I wanted to mention that you can actually incorporate into what you already said as well is making moon water. Um, 
creating moon water. And then you can even use that moon water in your teas, in your coffee as you know, as part of that low energy practice, you know, you could, you could set, you could even go so far as to put your jars of different moon waters right there on your kitchen counter in your cabinet. So it's readily available right there for you to use without having to think about it very much. Um, which now that I'm thinking about it would be really freaking cool. I think I'm going to do that. (laughs) Um, just make sure you label them. Yes. Make sure you label them. Ask me how I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And so, yeah, so moon water is, is a great, um, low energy practice as well. And, uh, yes, make sure you label them, but yeah, all you got to do is just fill up some, you know, water safe container, put it in the window, put it outside, whatever works for you. And then, and then boom energy in a bottle yeah exactly and you know for me i i am pretty lunar sensitive so a lot of the times when it comes around to those full moon practices i need a nap i don't need a ritual i need to sleep i'm tired (laughs) or or the opposite of that and i am up all night but but regardless it's an easy low energy practice to use and yeah one of my favorites for sure another easy you know, practice is the use of candles. And, you know, we've done a color magic episode, so I won't go into that, but lighting a particular candle, you know, for its color and its correspondences uh, is an easy practice to do. I've mentioned on here before that I typically use like a black tobacco candle. And I do that because it's one of my favorite low energy rituals. It doesn't require a lot of me. I still get the benefits of the protection from this candle. It's just an easy way for me to stay connected, you know, with myself and my spirituality. And on the other side of this, incense are another great low energy practice as well. You know, each of those have correspondences, you know, for instance, uh, jasmines for love. You can use lemongrass for balance and several others. I don't want to go too deep into it, but... All that requires of me is to pick a particular incense and light it. And that's something that I can do regardless of my energy levels. I think it's also important to note that simple and low energy doesn't mean less effective. Yes, 100%. And I'm glad you mentioned that because there can be this idea that not having, you know, a more ceremonial or ritualistic practice is less than, and when that's simply not the case, you can find a way to connect with your spirituality in a way that works for you, regardless of your energy levels. And it's better that you do that than nothing at all. Now, while we mainly created this episode to put the emphasis on low energy practice, you know, given the season that we're in, given that we're in the darker months. I wanted to touch on a few higher energy practices so we can show the contrast of what a high energy practice might look like. And when I think of high energy practices, largely this is going to be more ritualistic in nature. It's going to be the ceremonial nature. It's going to be where you're calling in deities, you know, invoking or evoking. And when you're evoking a spirit, you're basically asking that spirit to join you where an invocation would be more like a voluntary possession. And while you're asking these entities for additional energy in your practice, it takes a lot to get to that ritualistic space where you can do so. So in this case, the actual 
ritual of doing this is more involved and requires more energy from you. So basically, in contrast, the higher energy would require more steps. This is more often found in ceremonial magic where, you know, I'm a folk practitioner. I really like my my low energy of the earth items. (laughs) And, you know, I really am drawn to simplicity. But, you know, there are beautiful ways that you can connect with your spirituality that require more energy from you. Yeah, another high energy practice that came to mind for me is like um, like a fully involved like beauty routine. So I know a couple episodes back, maybe more than a couple, we talked about um, beauty magic, you know, and and how much that can boost our energy, boost our confidence and, you know, just can make us feel really good (laughs) physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, but oftentimes that takes a lot of energy too, you know, especially if you have kids, you have to clean the tub, then you've got to prepare the tub, prepare all your stuff. You know, if you're going to take a sacred bath, you know, and then you've got all these steps with, you know, lotions and scrubs or whatever. And again, as, as amazing as having a spa night like that, you know, for yourself can be, it's really involved and it actually takes a lot of energy. And so, you know, simply like, like last night you know, I took an Epsom salt bath and, you know, put some bubbles in there. And even though I was actually doing it for my back, <laughs> I went ahead and, and kind of made it magical. And so again, like, like Charlotte says, and I love this phrase is, you know, making the mundane magical, you know, I, I turned that into a low energy practice to cleanse myself um, as well as help my back because <laughs> clearly there's something I'm supposed to learn this week. <laughs> Let them fall. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was one of those things where like, I think just pure adrenaline took over. And I I imagine like later, as I thought about it, like hearing about these stories of like moms lifting cars off their children, like I didn't even skip a beat. I just went to grab him, not even thinking that, you know, this man weighs like 150 pounds. I probably shouldn't try and hold that up in the air. Uh, (laughs) So I tried to be nice, and in return, my body was like, what are you doing? (laughs) If it had been me and my husband, we both would have pancaked on the ground. We both would have been screwed from jump. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) I applaud your efforts, though. (laughs) Oh, man. Some, Some lessons, I guess, are just better learned the hard way, and that's kind of what I'm trying to look for the lesson in this this week. <laughs> so we hope that you've enjoyed this this episode um, and this this idea of, you know, respecting and honoring our low energy practices versus our high energy practices. And I hope that you can take this episode as permission to really honor that within yourself and start to be a conscious observer observer <laughs> observer of of these, these highs and lows, you know, within yourself, you know, watching the tide come in and out for yourself can be very, honestly can make you more productive. You know, um, if there's anything I can say is that since I've been making more of a conscious effort to respect this for myself, it has made me more productive. It has given me more joy and more peace throughout the day. So thank you for joining us for season two, episode four. So until next time, blessed be. Peace out.